Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here again. This is December 2nd, 2018, Voice of Christian Israel on Eurofolk Radio. And um, I was able to contact Pastor Martins before the show. However, uh, he and his family are moving to a new location and are, are still haven't finished setting things up. So Pastor Martins will not be able to do the show today. So um, we'll pick it up. He assures me he will be available next next Sunday, and but they just need to unpack their bags and get the uh, new location set up. So I'm going to continue with the article I started last week on Senior Van Rensburg by Out Oitlanders. Let me uh, hear. Oh, <laughs> my. Uh, okay, my hand stuck to a piece of paper here. Let me see if I can uh, get this into the chat room. This is the website that uh, I'll be accessing here for today's show. Same one as last week. Uh, unfortunately, I have to <laughs> re... I lose connection with the chat room if I don't stay with it uh, constantly. So I'm logging back in. And uh, here is the article... Sightlanders. Uh, Senior Van Rensburg. I'm starting to get the pronunciations of Afrikaans down. And uh, it's pretty similar to German, except they have here a, a U before the I. In German, it's E before I, and it's pronounced like a long I, Sightlanders. In other words, the Southern Landers, uh, I guess, talking about the white people living in, in the South, South Africa is the intention of the uh, meaning of the word. And uh, it would be nice to uh, have Pastor Martins available next Sunday to get some of these uh, issues sorted out. But uh, pick up where we left off last week. Uh, uh, About the middle of the article, your readers may be interested to know that Senior Van Rensburg repeatedly said that uh, this supposed World War III, which we are definitely involved in now, and listeners to Eurofolk Radio uh, understand that uh, we've had repeated war. Uh, World War II did not end. (laughs) It got transferred to Korea, and then to Vietnam, and then to points all over the place with uh, the Jew Jew uh, concocted wars being never-ending. And uh, certainly in the Middle East, it has never ended. There's not been a moment's peace since the Jews occupied that territory for the second time. And those of you who listened to our show this morning on Bloodlines uh, realize that what's happening today is the Edomites have taken control (laughs) of the Palestine area yet again. History is repeating itself. Last time, the Edomites under Antipater and Herod invaded Israel, true Israel. In that case, it was simply Judah, the house of Judah, comprising of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, and a smattering of other tribes. But uh, these were pure-blooded Israelites. The Edomites took over with the help of Rome. In modern times, the Edomites have taken over the territory again, this time with the help of Britain. So the British mandate was given to them by a Jewish-created organization after the Treaty of Versailles, the League of Nations. 
the League of Nations uh, fell apart, but nevertheless, not before instituting the British mandate. As Rome fell apart too, and uh, and the uh, British, the European Union is about ready to fall apart too. So, all of these Jew-created entities, political entities, have short lives because they're created by deceit, and they will ultimately fail because it takes lots and lots of money to keep a uh, a failing enterprise alive, and the Jews finally give up on them, and then they'll start a new. Uh, world government movement, although their United Nations has been operating since the end of World War II. And the International Economic Community, Bretton Woods Agreement, during and after World War II, is still in effect. So the the Jews still control the world economy through the United Nations and their various banking entities. So uh, nothing has changed since World War II. These people are not going to give us peace. They talk peace, but make war. That is what the UN is. It's an entity that talks peace and makes war on behalf of the international Jew. So at the end of World War II, this entity, first it was uh, started by the League of Nations, and the United Nations took over and created Israel. So it required two international organizations of no authority whatsoever, except Jewish money, to create the Israeli state. As David James liked to say, that's not a nation. And uh, they don't even control uh, most of what they claim to own. And they certainly don't control what their flag represents, namely from the Tigris and Euphrates to the Nile. They're barely hanging on to Palestine. So it's, uh, it's one thing to have billions of dollars and trillions of dollars at your disposal. It's another thing to have political control. And the Jews, despite all this time, and despite all these UN resolutions and what have you, political agreements, they still don't control Palestine. But of course... Palestine for them is really a symbolic place from which they can proselytize Christians and claim, oh, we're so persecuted, and send us your money. Send us your money. We have 100-year-old Jewish women who don't have enough money to feed. Yeah, really. Really. But that's the propaganda they put out. And people believe that stuff. Uh, The world will be such a better place once we no longer have to sift through Jewish lies. So, uh, interestingly, uh, Van Rensburg, maybe he does somewhere in his prophecies, refer to an entity such as the United Nations. But I don't know if anybody has uh, analyzed his prophecies sharply enough to figure that out. But uh, there's no doubt that Rendsburg's uh, vision that this struggle for, uh, from World War II to World War III will be ongoing. Okay? And so this, uh, this supposed overlap between World War I and World War III would overlap with the final struggle of the Boers in South Africa. Well, the Boer people are still hanging on. Despite all efforts by the international community 
to take <laughs> take their land, take take their families, take their property, and exterminate them. The Boers are still here, fighting back, and praise Yahweh, that's good that they're still fighting. What's more, in certain recorded conversations, he would apparently answer a query about the beginning of one of the two wars in question with an anecdote pertaining to the omens of the other. Okay, we're talking about World Wars one and I'm sorry, 2 and 3. This seems to be a clue for us to recognize that the wars will be near simultaneous and that if we observe the harbingers of the one war, then we'll be able to safeguard ourselves against the other one. I guess he's talking more about the resurgence in violence in South Africa with this World War III. But as I said, uh, the struggles of the white South Africans, especially the Boer people, has been ongoing, although they totally lost power in 1994. And uh, South Africa has been a violent hellhole ever since. Back to the prophecies. Let's try one which has already come true. At a point in time very near to the above-mentioned prophecy about Great Britain's deliberate slaughter of Caucasian Christian women and children, Um Nicholas told a fellow soldier that two of his children had died in a concentration camp. Two or three, I forget, days later, a letter arrived to that effect. Note, he never fired a shot, I think he's referring to Van Rensburg here, but he was a soldier inasmuch as he, accompl- the, as he accompanied the, the Boer commandos throughout the War of Freedom, and again during the rebellion of the Boers against the colonial government's alliance to Great Britain during World War I. He was in frontline combat units throughout. Some have suggested that Nicholas Van Rensburg was the most uncommon creature, a prophet with, with honor in his own country, at least among some. That is not entirely untrue because he was indeed fated by many former Boer soldiers who had witnessed his miraculous powers with their own eyes during the wars. But it is an exaggeration because, as was recorded quite extensively, those who had not witnessed his powers of prophecy firsthand refused to accept the extreme nature of the stories. And, of course, uh, a lot of it is doom and gloom, and a lot of people don't want to hear any doom and gloom. Well, uh, I agree with the Founding Fathers, especially Patrick Henry, who said, I want the truth, that even if it's really, it's really bad, I want the truth. What's more, it was especially inaccurate towards the end of his life because Um Nicholas prophesied that there would be one day be black rule in South Africa. Of course, that was inconceivable <laughs> in 1910, right? Inconceivable in 1910. Needless to say, being not even two generations removed from the Berlin Conference, which divided up Africa amongst the colonial powers, that prophecy led to widespread derision and scorn amongst Afrikaners and English-speaking white South Africans alike. Well, now this is interesting. The Berlin Conference. Now we know that Africa, as well as other non-European nations, have been the object of European colonialism. And this, this colonialism was finally abdicated in the 20th century, in the middle of the 20th century, usually during, the, during World War II and, and afterward. 
But there's still colonialism there. It's Jewish banker colonialism, which the mass media does not ever mention. You still have petty dictators that are controlled by international banking money. And maybe this this change is too subtle for most people to appreciate, but it's still colonialism. It's Jewish colonialism. However, Van Rensburg, he foretold that one day he'd be much in the news again. That day arrived sharply when the reality of South African democracy set in after 27th April 1994. Oh, is that what they call white genocide? <laughs> democracy? <laughs> As David James has been telling you, democracy is not for white people. Democracy is deadly for white people. And that's what uh, white South Africans have discovered since 1994. And it's uh, Johannesburg is now the rape capital of the world. It's violence. Uh, white farmers are being murdered on a daily basis. White people are targeted for violence. And still, only virtually only white people, those that are still left in South Africa, pay any taxes. So we actually have a white minority supporting a black majority that outnumbers the whites about 10 to 1. So no matter where you go, blacks are supported by white taxpayers. As you know, I wrote an article about how I, how I have now witnessed twice with my own eyes that secondhand soft cover, soft cover copies of a 1990s book about him are being sold for 2,000 rand each. That was before our recent currency collapse, and it equated to about $200 in the United States money. That's a lot of money. I, I wish I could sell my book for that. <laughs> Another nice example of Senior Van Rensburg's prophecies is the continuation of the one which I have just described. He prophesied that the first black ruler, which nobody believed would ever happen in South Africa... That the first black ruler, he generally used the word ruler rather than governor, president, or leader when referring to the heads of the black-dominated South African government, would be regarded as a saint. Yes, Saint Mandela, the terrorist posing as a liberator. Yeah, well, he liberated a lot of people of their lives, including blacks who didn't agree with him because he was a total communist, and black communists have no sympathy for uh, other blacks. As a matter of fact, most black tribes have no sympathy for other black tribes. They, they have a history of uh, you know, exterminating each other. But here we can see Van Rensburg is absolutely, was absolutely right on the money about South Africa being ruled by blacks, and that the, the black ruler would be regarded as a saint, at least in the international press, in the kosher press. He elaborated by saying that the man would die, and then people would come from all over the world to pay homage, and flags would fly at half-mast, and that the man would lie in state for some days, and that many people would be inconsolable with grief. And that all came to pass. 
Well, if all of the above did not transpire precisely as prophesied with Nelson Mandela, then I don't know. So these these are good prophecies that have come true, folks. No doubt about it. Very few people in the modern world have uh, given any accurate prophecies. Now, a lot of people will say this is going to happen, that's going to happen, but they can't tell us when. Or they will say, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, but they can't give us a precise order. And uh, this all happened in the order that Senior Van Rensburg predicted. Continuing. Uh, Now that we have addressed examples of straightforward prophecies which have not yet come true. Wait a minute, there's something wrong with that. He just addressed prophecies that did come true. And uh, oh, which have not yet come true, and ones which have. Let's examine a few interrelated prophecies which appear as if they might be in the process of manifesting. Permit me to reiterate that I must abbreviate the stories in the interests of brevity, and knowledgeable re- readers should not be offended if their favorite anecdotes are missing. Following the death of the first black ruler, or at the time of the death of the first black ruler, and apparently at the time of our final struggle for Christian paramountcy in South Africa, the throne will be occupied by a wicked man. Well, if, if Mandela wasn't a wicked man, who is? <laughs> One cannot help but think that President Jacob Zuma, who admitted to raping his friend's daughter, who has 768 outstanding criminal charges against him, who is presently married to five women and whose one wife committed suicide and blamed him for driving her to it, well, I guess maybe Jacob Zuma is more wicked than Nelson Mandela. Uh, are we surprised? Nicholas Van Rensburg described how there would be a severe drought in South Africa at the time when our final struggle begins. As you are aware, last year's drought was the worst in something like 30 years, and this year's drought is the worst in 90 years. One source which I read said it was categorically the worst in 110 years. Now, I know Pastor Martin has mentioned this a couple of times in the last few weeks, but I was not aware of the severity of the current drought. So, uh, Pastor Martins can verify that for us next Sunday. Continuing with the article here. He said that there would be a flood of black and brown-skinned people into Europe at that time. Wow. Wow. Tell me about it. No comment. He foretold that one of the signs would be efforts to remove the Afrikaans' language as a medium of instruction. Incredibly, and completely out of the blue, the past seven months have seen huge riots on campuses across South Africa, in which the demands of the black students have primarily been twofold, namely one, Get rid of university tuition freeze. Okay, so here, again, only the only ones paying taxes in South Africa are whites. And they've been getting free education, free housing. They get welfare from the government, managed by blacks, unfortunately, so that uh, we still have a lot of poor black people. Well, as long as black people manage the money, people remain poor. And so the twofold demands are get rid of university tuition fees and get rid of Afrikaans. Even at the traditional ACHO universities, those Afrikaner universities built on the rigid principle of Afrikaner Christian or Christian 
Hoer, H-O-E-R, Onderwis, or Afrikaner Christian Higher Education. At the time that he gave the prophecy which follows, Turkey was the Osman or Ottoman Empire in its anglicized form. In Um Nicholas's time, or my great-grandfather's time, the colloquial name Turkey applied without any reservation to modern Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Israel-slash-Palestine, Lebanon, and so on. In other words, Turkey equals the Ottoman Empire. He prophesied extensively about Turkey setting fire to the hay, which would become World War III. Very interesting. And I can certainly see that. Uh, all of the animosity between Turkey and Russia, and uh, Turkey having a, a crypto-Jew president working for the Israelis and the Zionists and the Rothschilds, there, uh, you know, Turkey is basically Rothschild, uh, you know, vacation spot. Well, she certainly seems to be doing her utmost, particularly if you take Turkey to mean, as he surely did, the Turkey of Recap Tayyip Erdogan, yet, yeah, and that's President Erdogan, who is a Jew, the Syria of Bashar al-Assad, and the Iraq of ISIL, <laughs> of ISIS, <laughs> right, <laughs> to be brief. The Iraq of ISIS, and all Jewish organizations, pretending to be otherwise. So, the subterfuge uh, of politics on the international scale, all stemming back to Zionist aspirations to rule the world, uh, all these things have played themselves out, and uh, if this analysis is correct, then Senior Van Rensburg understood. And if anybody has any uh, problem understanding this, yes, Turkey uh, controlled most of that area before World War One, and most of that area was taken away from from the Turks uh, during World War One, and uh, given to the colonial empires. And the Israeli state was in the process of being created, and the British Empire took control of that area in full bloom. So, and then only for that to be taken away from Britain by the Jews. Okay, so in other words, the international Jew used Britain to create this colonial empire. These colonial empires brought with them Jew banksters. So the Jews could set up their banks in every one of these uh, colonies. Then the uh, front, front man colonies, be they Dutch, British, German, whatever, uh, left, but the Jewish banksters remain. That's how history must be understood. And yet nobody writes anything about it. Just as in the American media, nobody ever writes about the uh, Federal Reserve Bank and the true power behind our government. Jewish power. As an aside, your readers may be interested to learn that Senior Van Rensburg prophesied that Turkey will provoke Russia. Yeah, they have that done that already by shooting down a couple of Russian jets. And the Russians were using Turkey as a vacation spot, but no longer. I prophesied that Turkey will provoke Russia beyond endurance. And Russia will finally react by invading Turkey. Now this is understandable. This is understandable. And she overruns Turkey in one single night. 
Perhaps we can delve more deeply into the full gamut of his World War III prophecies another time. Well, now this is, looks, is looking more probable as we go forward. Continuing, now, until recently, the prophecy which we'll address in a moment seemed improbable. Not improbable in the sense of unlikely. Our Lord can do anything at any time, but improbable in the sense of immediate. Yes, and I know on last week's show I stated that uh, 10 years ago these uh, prophecies of World War III being provoked by Russia and Germany being on the side of the Boers again seemed very improbable. But then the invasion of Europe uh, paid for by Jewish money uh, began to destroy Europe and Europe is starting to react. Okay, the European people, not the European government. So the European governments are totally controlled by the Rothschilds, as are even so-called Muslim country governments are controlled by the Rothschilds, because they all do business with the international bankster class. And as long as they do business with the international Jew, they have to accept Jewish, uh, how should I put it, terms, Jewish terms. So what we have is Christian countries that are Christian in name only, but are in fact Jewish uh, tributaries. And we have Muslim countries that are Muslim in name only, but are in fact Jewish tributaries. And even the communist countries that still openly proclaim communism are also Jewish tributaries. So there's not one nation on the face of the earth that isn't controlled by Jewish banksters. All propaganda and histrionics in the media about North and South Korea and China. China is still a communist country. It was created by Jews. It was set up by Jews and still does business with the Israelis who still manipulate China. However, Jewish control of the Far East is less solid because the Jews cannot hide themselves as well from the Orientals as they do as they hide themselves from us. There is no love between the Oriental people and the Jews. The Orientals are openly anti-Jewish. And uh, their press uh, is not verboten to criticize Jews in their press. In fact, uh, Mein Kampf is still a big seller (laughs) in the Far East. Okay, so uh, this is just a tactic being employed by the international Jew to make sure that they have some sort of control in those countries because they don't want events to get out of their purview, their plan, their master plan, which is economic dominance of the planet and extermination of the white race. Once they get rid of us, then they will have no meaningful enemies. This is the master plan. As we have been explaining to the world here on Eurofolk Radio, very few people seem to understand this. There are white nationalists who understand it, but they still believe the Jews are the Israel of the Bible. So they, they totally misunderstand the nature and the depth of the deception. Continuing. Uh, Now, until recently, the prophecy which we'll address in a moment seemed improbable. There was no reason, uh, uh, there was no reason to believe that it would, namely this this business about World War III and Russia. Now, Russia, at least ostensibly, 
is has returned to being a Christian nation, and I heard, but I haven't had a chance to verify, that they renounced their uh, the law that says it is illegal to contradict the Holocaust. I don't have any confirmation of that. Uh, you know, we'll we'll do this. Uh, we'll try to address that on Tuesday's fake news. Now we'll see. Okay, there is no reason to believe that these prophecies would come true, he says. I am tempted to contradict myself and use the word could happen anytime soon. But you, sir, will probably be aware of recent and unexpected suggestions that the answer might just have been staring us in the face for quite some time already. To use an American expression, it is so left field that one can't help struggling to accept the explanation. But on the other hand, it fits. Nicholas Van Rensburg said that at the time of our troubles, there would be much agitation amongst the Indians. Now, the only Indians Van Rensburg would be familiar with are the ones from India, the subcontinent there of Asia. At one time, he at another time, he spoke of Indians causing a lot of trouble and of him staring down the barrel of a gun from India. As he explained on various occasions, Nicholas Van Rensburg's presence in a prophecy always represented the Boer nation. Okay, very interesting. So, well, but that would have to include China too, because the presence of China and India and and the Jews in South Africa is very great. And uh, the I'd say the presence of China in South Africa is probably bigger than India. However. India, as the other nations that I just mentioned, are also tributaries to the international Jew. They do the Jew's bidding. And any politician who defies Jewish power usually faces an assassin's bullet. Now, given that South Africa has a population of 1,250,000 to 1,350,000 Indians who came here as long ago as 1860, and Gandhi was a uh, vacationer there, stayed there for quite a while, and criticized the white Boers for being uh, exclusivist. In the first group from Madras aboard the Truro, these, those prophecies appear not to be one and the same thing. Indians causing trouble? All right, that without any qualification naturally means our Indians, surely. But a gun from India to the forehead? That seems to be something else. Perhaps not. What if both references to Indians were to the Gupta family, which has jointly with Jacob Zuma, oh boy, oh boy, thrown our entire country into chaos, and behind both Zuma and Guptas are the international Rothschilds. The Gupta family came to South Africa from Saharanpur, and they might even be Jews. They might be crypto-Jews. I will bet that they are. I will bet that they are crypto-Jews. Hmm, fascinating stuff. All right, Gupta. I've never come across, you know, I've heard the Gupta name, but never done any research on the Guptas. And, but that, that's a, f- a fairly common surname in India. No, so the Gupta came, came to South Africa from 
Saharanpur in Uttar Pradesh, northern India, in 1993. Bear in mind that on top of everything else, it was the Guptas who twisted the arm of the president to fire our effective minister of finance and replace him with a man who cannot count on 9th December 2015. (laughs) That was what Chicago was like when Mayor Washington, who was a black man, was in charge. Boy, uh, money was disappearing out of all of the black populated offices. Just imagine what, what that means in concrete terms. The costs of paying our sovereign bonds returns increased overnight. Our World Bank loans costs increased by astonishing sums of money. There's the presence of the international Jew again. Imported fuel, food, and medicine suddenly became more expensive in a country with 35% unemployment and 16 million living solely on social grants and with just 3,200,000 taxpayers. As I said, only the white people pay, pay taxes there. All thanks to one group of Indians who have held large portions of our economy hostage under the aegis of the ANC. Now, now they have to be Jews. Because the ANC is totally Jewish. If the Guptas are involved with the ANC, they're Jewish. Suddenly, and without contrivance or hyperbole, one can begin to appreciate that there exists a simple, easy, albeit unexpected, potential explanation for Nicholas von Rendsburg's Indian prophecy or prophecies. And so we see that South Africa is a microcosm of America in the sense that these foreign groups have had presence in our nation, but since our economy is so much bigger than that of South Africa, the, the force that these outsiders exert is not as great. But they were able to put a black man in as our leader, Barack Obama. Uh, fortunately, we have replaced him with a white man, presumably German, Mr. Trump. Trumpf, the original family name. But he's in thick with the Jews. (laughs) He's surrounded by Jews, just as Mandela was. So is is there a leader of any nation that isn't surrounded by Jewish advisors? We talked about the the prototypical Jewish advisor this morning, Antipater. The Edomite who bought influence with John Hyrcanus and began a reign of intrigue, pitting the house of Judah against the Romans, against the Arabians, but while ingratiating himself, because he was an Edomite, to the Edomite nation and John Hyrcanus invited the Edomites in. Just as in America... Jews were not welcome here. Edomites were not welcome here. And they came in on the sly, not by invitation. The invitation was sly, not open. That is, Jews who were already here through their economic dealings in the late 1800s allowed the refugees 
the Jewish refugees, most of them communists from Europe, to enter in this country under the name of Kike. And that's an appellation given to these European Jews by the Jews that were already here in America because they, they were illiterate. And, well, they're not exactly illiterate. They, they couldn't, if they couldn't sign their name, they had to put an X, which is the you know, practice here in, in uh, the Western world. If you can't sign your name, then you put an X. But they refused to put an X because it looked too much like a cross. <laughs> okay? That this shows you how anti-Christian the Jews really are. No, I won't write an X that looks like a cross. That's a symbol of Christ. I'll never do that. So they substituted a K. And that's where the word kike comes from. One thing is certain, though, his record is irreproachable, and I, for one, cannot think of a single prophet of the past 150 years globally or of similar irreproachability. You don't read that word too often. Hundreds upon hundreds of most, his most explicit and straightforward, not to mention improbable prophecies, have manifest unambiguously and simply. Feel free to let me know if your foreign readers would like to know more about Um Nicholas's prophecies. Okay, I guess he's using Um Nicholas as uh, yeah Um oh yeah Um means uncle. I forgot. Uh, I learned that last time, but I forgot. I am not the foremost authority, but I am sure that with a bit of collaboration, we can put something together. Years in Christ, FVS. So I'm not sure who that is. Um, but it's a representative of the Sightlanders, which is a growing movement of white South Africans opposed to the AN, ANC, African National Congress government, which is, of course, blacks and Jews allied against whites. That's what that party stands for. It's blacks and Jews allied against whites. So, so, so the white South, South Africans got democracy. And what is democracy? Democracy is the form of government by which the Jews take control by controlling media, politics, and money. Media, politics, and money. And so I'm going to switch to another website here. The Stunning Prophecies of Senior Van Rensburg. And this is from an alien earthling. That's the website. An alien earthling. And the stunning prophecies of Senior Van Rensburg. So let me see if I can uh, post this in the chat room here. Let me just bring this up. Control V. Okay. An alien earthling. And, oh, what happened to it? <laughs> All right. Uh, we've been having funny funny things going on today. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, reopen that. Uh, I'll have to use the link that I just posted in order to reopen the site. Somehow I lost the site. So here we go. It's a good thing I copied it. An alien's thoughts about our planet. The stunning prophecies of Senor Van Rensburg posted November 17, 2009. 
okay, don't know the name of the author. Maybe he'll give it to us at the bottom. I've just learned something about the stunning visions of a prophet called Senor Van Rensburg. For those who haven't heard the name before, here is a brief introduction. Nicholas Peter Johannes Jans Van Renberg was an Afrikaner, actually a Boer, very specifically a Boer, who lived between 1862 and 1926 in the Transvaal Republic, which was a Boer nation at the time. A Boer Republic, not an Afrikaner Republic, a Boer Republic, which later became a part of South Africa. The Boer people, Afrikaans-speaking Bora or Afrikaans or Boer folk of South Africa, consider him a prophet who was sent by God to help them with his remarkably accurate visions. His nickname became Sener, which is Afrikaans for seer or soothsayer. The Afrikaners respectfully refer to him as Um Nicholas or Uncle Nicholas or Sener van Rensburg. Okay, and as we reported last time, he didn't get around much, and the only book he was ever known to have read was the Bible. But that made him literate enough to you know, converse with people, and uh, I think his daughter was the one who recorded his visions. Senor van Rensburg was born on August 30, 1862 in Pachtus, oh, Pachtus, This is a difficult one. P-O-T-C-H-E-F-S-T-R-O-O-M. Pachtusstrum, there we go. Pachtusstrum, to a farming family. He was a deeply religious person who was taught by his mother to read the Bible. He couldn't write, but his visions were recorded by others like the Reverend Dr. Rossau and Van Rensburg's own daughter, Anna Badenhorst. His visions not only concerned the welfare of his people, the Borvolk, during his time, but he was also able to accurately predict several future world events with stunning accuracy. Skeptics have their doubts. But one just needs to consider the accuracy with which this seer predicted events that were going to unfold in the future. Even the predictions of Nostradamus sound vague when compared with those of Senor Van Rensburg. And that is true. The, the predictions of Nostradamus are very vague. Alarmingly, this Afrikaner prophet's predictions seem to include certain shocking things that the citizens of the world shall have to live through in the coming years. Watch, and more importantly, listen carefully to this three-part television documentary about Senor Van Rensburg and draw your own conclusion. So I put the link to this website, and he's got several videos about Senor Van Rensburg, three in a row here, that you can access at your leisure. Uh, all videos were uploaded by YouTube user Mipat... Oh, me. Pot 2000. He also maintains a website called True South Africa. I thank him for sharing these videos about Senor Van Rensburg. So it looks like uh, those are very interesting videos. Uhuru. Crazy urban legend. Stunningly accurate prediction or self-fulfilling prophecy. Now we did talk about Uhuru the last time Pastor Martins was on board. And basically Uhuru stands for Night of the Long Knives and the Black Threat to exterminate all whites in South Africa. 
Now, this threat must be taken seriously. And the ongoing murders of white farmers and whites in general by blacks in South Africa is ongoing. But it hasn't occurred overnight as many people figured it would. Now, maybe that day is coming. or they, That attempted day is coming. Uh, the outlanders are, are sightlanders are organizing in order to defend themselves against this eventuality and to defend themselves against a hostile government, namely the ANC. The ANC is unofficially sponsoring all these murders of whites because the government does absolutely nothing to prosecute the blacks who are guilty of these crimes. One spine-chilling event that Senator Van Rensburg is believed to have predicted is a deliberate future campaign of genocide and ethnic cleansing in South Africa. That is definitely occurring as we speak since 1994. That has been the policy of the black-ruled country. See, whites have a problem. They believe the lies of the Jews, and they believe the lies of Muslims, and they believe the lies of blacks, and they believe the lies of Indians, <laughs> and they believe both kinds, although American Indians are not prone to be liars like the East Indians are, and they believe the lies of Asians, etc., etc., etc. White people falsely assume that other cultures have a tradition of honesty like we in the West have, the Christian West. Sorry, folks. You're wrong about that. Oh, hey, pot shell stream is the translation. Uh, Jews declare war on Germany in 1933. Well, okay, uh, yeah, that, that we know about. Uh, and uh, uh, that de declaration of war on Germany is still in effect. It sure is. It sure is, folks. Don't believe for a minute that, uh, that this has changed. All right. Uh, the history of South Africa is an unpleasant one, and despite the democratic, <laughs> democratic, there you go, what is democracy? Democracy is the slow extermination of the white race, and despite the democratic transition, now you give blacks the vote, what are they going to, they're going to vote to destroy the white race. You can see that here in America. But all of these blacks blaming white cops for you know, the problems in their... No, the problem in their community is black malfeasance, black law-breaking, and their cooperation with the Jews in voting for the welfare state because they're recipients of the welfare state. Here again, we see white taxpayers supporting non-white uh, ethnic groups for their benefit and to, for our demise. That's democracy, folks. And despite the democratic transition that the country went through in 1984, not everything seems to be fine in the Rainbow Nation. No, you've got white genocide going on. And you don't see the black-controlled government building schools and houses for the white minority. Before 1994, the white minority built schools, houses, and provided jobs for the majority of blacks. Yet they still weren't happy and wanted to have, in totally racist fashion, black rule. No, no, they got black rule. 
and the economy is collapsing, and corruption reigns. Operation Uhuru, also known by names such as Operation Vula, Night of the Long Knives, Operation White Cleanup, Operation Iron Eagle, uh, they, they borrow f- uh, slogans from the Nazis and from the communists here, Red October Campaign, <laughs> and Operation Our Rainy Day. Whether it is imaginary or for real refers to a diabolical plan to completely exterminate the white citizens of South Africa by a systematic and planned campaign of ethnic cleansing upon the death of a black leader. Okay, which black leader? Uh, I think we're on our third black leader. It might be four. Pastor Martins can probably answer that question for us next week. But one of these black leaders, okay, well, here, here's the way it works. And we know how the communists operate, and communism is Jewish. They will use a person who has long been an ally of communism until that person has misgivings and starts to lead, or starts to think independently and no longer follows the party line. When such a person makes any kind of odd noises or odd decisions that don't follow the party line, they begin to suspect, that is, the highest-ranking communists, which are always Jews, begin to suspect the loyalty or doubt the loyalty of that said person. And so what they will do, they will have that person martyred, even declaring a national holiday, (laughs) a communist holiday on Red Square in honor of that person that they suspected of being a traitor to the communist cause. So, just as the Catholic Church has done, has murdered uh, Protestant saints and then uh, and sainted them later after all was forgotten (laughs) and people forgot that that person was a Protestant, not a Catholic, now all of a sudden that uh, Protestant rebel is a Catholic saint. Joan of Arc is an example of that. So, uh, this is how they operate. They change history. They, they change your memory. And they just do as they please, uh, traversing their way through history, making things up every single day. And the average person is none the wiser because, of, uh, truthfully, how many people are really interested in history? Very few. And one of the reasons for that is because they make history such a boring subject when you go to when you learn history in public school. It's so boring. It's names and dates and battles and uh, you know w- without any of the juicy details, like the Jew pulling the strings behind the scenes. That that we bring history to life, folks, because we're always talking about the Jews pulling strings behind the scenes. You will never get that from mainstream history or media. So, uh, okay, uh, Clan Fiedron's uh, Tom David says, uh, I have the complete prophecies of Senor Van Rensburg in both English and Afrikaans available in a PDF. If anyone wants to read them, just send an email to tomdavid underscore 88 at msn.com. Okay, tomdavid underscore 88 
at msn.com. Okay. All right. And uh, okay, very good. So what we're doing here is we're trying to get at real history. Folks, this is so hard to get at real history because the Jews have put a, a, a powder keg in front of the library and they have stolen books. In fact, I just received correspondence from one of our brethren in Missouri who uh, said that she found a book by a, uh, an Austrian... Oh, no, no. Uh, oh, it's a completely different language. Sorry, I, f- I forget the, uh, what language it was. Anyway, the, uh, and it was a book about the Jews, the history of the Jews, and it's very uncomplimentary. Uh, a, a ranking historian of note, oh, Greek, a Greek historian, who was mainly talking about Greek history and world history, but he actually wrote a book about the Jews. And it was very unflattering, and that book has been suppressed for decades. And uh, she's trying to get a hold of that book. I don't know if it's been translated into English, but whether she can get a hold of a copy of it in Greek and or English would be outstanding because the Jews are always suppressing criticism of themselves and confining to the memory hole authors and historians who disagree with the Jewish narrative. Okay, and so if we can get a hold of this document by the Greek historian, we will make it available also. Okay, but thanks to the internet, books like these are becoming available, whereas the Jews have been able to suppress these books for the last 100, 150 years. Okay, and yes, the uh, Oak 99, the Germans have had a presence in. Schauberger, Antarctica. Schauberger is uh, um, probably a, an homage to Victor Schauberger, uh, who was a, a, a German scientist, uh, in, in more of the uh, you know, school of quantum mechanics, subtle energies. He was able to use subtle energies to do miraculous things. Okay, so, but that's another topic. Uh, let me just go back to, uh, we're about, with about five minutes left. So uh, that, that's a good thing. The, the, the truth is coming out slowly but surely. Uh, as the Bible says, I will reclaim my people one Israelite at a time. And uh, it's a slow process, but brainwashing is very difficult to undo. Okay, so this Uhuru, Operation Uhuru, is still in the works. Uh, apparently, they will use the death aid. Now, as I was beginning to say, the communists will then murder the person in question uh, and then extol his virtues before the faithful communist party and uh, pretend that he was murdered by an external enemy, an anti-communist, a capitalist pig, or a socialist dog. With French fries. The French usually are involved in these things too. Okay, so Operation Uhuru refers to a diabolical plan to completely exterminate the white citizens of South Africa. And if they can pull this off in South Africa, that will embolden them. You know, uh, fortunately, we're here in America, we still have the Second Amendment. 
Lock and load, bro. They're coming after you if you if you have white skin. And some Jews appear to be white. The blacks will come after you. Critics and skeptics and the South African rulers dismiss this as a crazy urban legend, but a lot of blacks believe it and want to pull it off. Propagated by right-wingers in South Africa who want to overthrow the government, right? So we quote blacks who want to kill off whites, and now we're crazy. As a, here at Eurofogre, we quote Jews quoting their hatred of whites, and they call us crazy. Just for quoting the Jews who say these things. Continuing, they believe people with vested interests are deliberately twisting one of Senior Van Rensburg's prophecies to achieve their own political goals. Well, I mean, you know, they have the right of self-defense. And if they, you know, take black threats seriously, all the more so. Others believe the bloodshed and the resulting struggle will certainly take place as predicted by Senior Van Rensburg. They point out that racial tensions are running high in South Africa, worse than ever under the rule of the ANC. And all it would take is the death of a popular leader like the old and ailing Nelson Mandela, for instance. Of course, he's gone already. So I was speculating as who that leader might be, to reignite the old hatred. But the whole event will be staged, to be sure of that. Some claim that Uhuru is being planned on a grand scale and that certain elements would unleash a reign of genocidal terror at the appropriate time, with the authorities either turning a blind eye or playing an active role in the ethnic cleansing. Well, one scenario that I see is very possible is that, because we're watching the collapse of the ANC, the corruption is so thick that black tribes, other black tribes, do not want the ANC anymore. So the demise of the ANC is fairly imminent. And then, uh, okay, so they will probably uh, arkanside a, a South African black leader, blame it on whites, and then Uhuru will be set loose. That is a probable scenario. Uh, Ten years ago, you know, but this part I always considered probable because blacks hate white, hate whites with a passion, and will, and even when Obama was elected, I, I stated very publicly that uh, blacks will see this as a blank check to kill whites, to attack whites, and, that, and that's been true. The knockout game and the uh, various uh, gangs of blacks ransacking stores and attacking white people all began under the reign of Barack Obama. So you could foresee these things. You don't have to be a genius to foresee these things. All right, folks, we've run out of time. We'll uh, pursue this uh, series of prophecies by Senior Van Rensburg next week. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you next time.
Ugh. <sighs>